I knew I was going to get a lot of pushback for this story, and I did end up getting a lot of criticism. And specifically, people were worried that this is going to arm anti-vaxxers who are going to point to the increasing share of people who are vaccinated and dying as evidence that vaccines are pointless. Fennett Nirapil covers coronavirus for The Post. And in recent months, almost every time he writes a story about people dying of COVID, We get commenters, I get people on Twitter, I get people emailing me all saying that, oh, this virus is just affecting the unvaccinated people now. It's just the unvaccinated people who are dying, so who cares? I'm going to set aside just how callous that premise is and just point out it's not true. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Tuesday, May 10th. This week, we're hovering around a number that is unfathomable. One million Americans dead from COVID. We're expected to hit that milestone any day now. And in recent months, the people dying are increasingly people who are vaccinated. This doesn't mean that the vaccines don't work. It's just that so many people are getting COVID now that even that small percentage who still get severely sick is a lot of people. Today, we're talking about some of those vaccinated people who have died of COVID and the risks of going back to normal. We need to understand that this is not just a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's not just people who chose not to get their shots who are dying as a result of this virus. This virus is still taking a toll. And I'm not sure how many people even realize that we lost more than 100,000 people in January and February alone. It's really easy to try and tune out this pandemic. And I understand that we want to get back to normal. I want to get back to normal, too. We want to not be living during a pandemic anymore. But We can't change reality. The reality right now is that this pandemic continues to rage and it's continuing to take the lives of people that we love. And the vaccines alone are not going to end this pandemic and are not going to end the tragedy of this pandemic. I didn't see this coming. And all they could figure out was that his immune system had turned on and it was so strong that when it turned off, they couldn't dial it down. 127,000 people died of COVID-19 in January and February. And we wanted to know more about these people and who was dying because they just weren't getting as much attention this time around. I don't know if it's pandemic fatigue or the fact that so many people who are dying of COVID are doing so outside of the public inside of these hospitals uh, where no one can really see them. But we wanted to bring light to people like Scott Bennett who are dying. My husband was 70. Mm-hmm. We had all sorts of plants and we had all sorts of things that we were doing. We weren't a retired couple. You hear 70 and you think retired couple. I'm like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. No, no. Still looking at opening bars, still looking at traveling around the world, still looking at doing all of these things. He's the co-founder of Amsterdam Falafel Shop. It's a mainstay in the Washington, D.C. neighborhood of Adams Morgan. And his death really shocked so many in the community. That's because he was fully vaccinated and he had just gotten his booster right before he ended up sick, meaning the booster didn't really have time to take effect. So I reached out to Scott Bennett's wife, Arianne, because when we were looking at the data, we were seeing that an increasing share of the pandemic's 
tested or vaccinated or boosted, and we wanted to understand the reasons why, and we wanted to share their stories. Scott Bennett, he was vaccinated back in spring 2021, like so many Americans. He was very excited to get vaccinated, and he spent the fall of uh, 2021 laying low in a lodge that he owned in the Poconos. He came back to D.C. in early December, and he got his booster shot as soon as he could come. But just a couple of days after that shot, he started experiencing symptoms. In a matter of days, he was hospitalized a week before Christmas. And while he was hospitalized, he was shocked. He couldn't believe it. He said, how can I be sick? I was double vaxxed. I just got the booster. How can I be sick? How can this happen? And then as he was getting worse, he's like, those are supposed to save you from being this sick. And he said, if I had known that this could happen, I would have worn my mask more diligently. And within a month later, he ended up dying of COVID-19. And can you tell me a little bit about Arianne, Scott's wife, and what she told you about what this experience was like and her shock that he could still get such a severe case of COVID even though he was vaccinated? It was a really disconcerting experience for Arianne. She thought that she and her husband were safe. Uh, But she also recognized that vaccines can only go so far. And even in the hospital, she was telling her husband that he should have been wearing his mask more. He felt so surprised and so blindsided. And that's, I guess, why I really push for, please wear the mask in addition to the vaccinations and the boosters and every single thing you can do. Because if you leave that one hole that something can get through and it gets through to you, You can't turn it back. I can't take it back. I can't pull it back. I can't change what happened. There's no do-over. And I still can't even imagine that there's a world in which he's not coming back to me. I still feel like I'm waiting for him to come back from the hospital. The way she looks at COVID is there are so many different tools that we have to protect ourselves from it. And we shouldn't just take eight out of 10 of them. We should be taking 10 out of 10 of them. And her husband was 70. He falls under a high risk group, but he was also fairly healthy. He would go on regular 40 mile round trip bike rides to the Mount Vernon estate. He would go scuba diving and he planned on more scuba diving trips in the months ahead. His death and his severe illness came as a real shock to Arianne. So, Finnett, you have been reporting on people who have had similar experiences to Scott and his family, people who were vaccinated, that they thought that they were safe from getting infected with the severe case of COVID, and yet they still got COVID and it was really bad. And in some cases, people die even when they are vaccinated. And I mean, honestly, I I feel like when I first heard about this story, it made me feel really sad and also really uncomfortable because that's not what I want to hear about vaccines and about what it means to be vaccinated. Yeah, this is a really tricky story to report. And it's a very nuanced and complicated story, too. I want to be really clear that the takeaway here isn't that vaccines don't work or that vaccines are pointless. But the takeaway is that vaccines are a very strong tool, one of the best tools we have in ending this pandemic. But vaccines alone can't end this pandemic, and it can't end the tragedy of this pandemic. 
what we saw during the Omicron surge, we saw tens of thousands of vaccinated people die. And at the same time, the death rates for people who were vaccinated were still really low. But when you have that many people, that small death rate still amounts to tens of thousands of people. So the takeaway message here is when we're dealing with a virus that's as widespread and as highly transmissible as Omicron, so many people are going to get sick that that small minority of susceptible people who end up dying anyway, that's still a huge number of people. And that's a point that I think has really gotten lost as we're assessing the damage from the Omicron surge and as we're examining what the future of this pandemic looks like. And then how do boosters play a role in this? Obviously, we're now at a point where people who are older or are immunocompromised have access to getting a fourth booster. Some Americans don't have their third booster. What are you seeing in the data in terms of how boosters have affected or been able to protect or not been able to protect people who are vulnerable right now? So immunity from vaccines wane over time, and that's particularly acute among senior citizens who don't have as much protection from vaccines as younger age groups. So what we saw in the data was that the death rates for people who received their booster doses was much lower than the death rates for people who just received their first two shots. So what we saw was that the protection from those initial shots was waning over time, but the booster doses really provided a good additional layer of defense and shored up people's immunities and protected them from the worst effects of coronavirus. Now, there were still people who got their booster doses and died because nothing about the vaccines is 100% foolproof. There's nothing we can really do to completely protect ourselves from the worst of coronavirus, but we can take every tool we have to protect ourselves. And boosters are an important part of that defense. Can you tell me about more of the people that you talked to who had similar situations or who had family members who were vaccinated but died from COVID? While I was doing the research for this story, I stumbled on the story of Jessica Stepp. She was a 41-year-old mother in Michigan, and she was immunocompromised because she had been battling cancer. Her story was especially heartbreaking because she rang the bell for her last cancer treatment in September. She got remarried in November, and she fell sick in December as Michigan was battling back-to-back surges of Delta and Omicron. I spoke to Jessica's steps mom, Vicky. She told me how her daughter wasn't judgmental about people who didn't wear masks or didn't get vaccinated, but did want people to be cautious around people like her who were immunocompromised and faced heightened dangers during surges and who couldn't count on the vaccines in the same way to offer them robust protection. You never know who you're standing next to in the grocery line. And I understand people want to press on and earn their living, and they need to do that. But you have to think about who you're in the room with. And I want it to be over as much as everybody else. I'm tired of masks and caution and stand back. But you have to do it for someone else. Because she was immunocompromised and she couldn't rely on the vaccines for the same levels of protection as otherwise healthy young adults, she ended up severely ill. She was the youngest patient on the ICU floor. And she fought valiantly 
had the best care humanly possible. So it was not that she just, her body just couldn't fight the fight. She died in January. She left behind two teenage children. Just because you're in the 1% doesn't mean you don't have a life worth living. She has children that need her. She has a sister that can barely go on without her. She had an important mission in this life. She was going to travel. She was going to enjoy her new marriage. There's life potential in those people, the one percenters. You don't know contribution that those people can give to someone else, the hope they can give to someone else by their very survival. And what were the reactions when people who were vaccinated realized that they had still gotten COVID and were getting a severe case of COVID? It's a really disconcerting experience when you've received the shots that are supposed to protect you from hospitalization and deaths, and you end up hospitalized anyway, and you end up fighting for your life. This is tricky because the vaccines are still offering that robust protection. It's protecting the vast majority of people who do end up uh, getting coronavirus anyway. But for a lot of these families, what their stories illustrate is that those low rates of death That's still a lot of people when you have so many people getting sick and infected all at once. So for the families of the vaccinated people who died of COVID-19 anyway, the takeaways that they want others to have is that you should take advantage of every tool that you can to protect yourself, especially if you're in a high-risk group. Don't just rely on the vaccines alone. Wear your high-quality masks during surges and get your booster shots. And for the rest of society, they want you to know that this virus hasn't gone away. And this virus is still inflicting a toll on hundreds of thousands of Americans and their families. Stop thinking about the small percentages of people who can get sick as something unimportant. Think about those small percentages and wonder if your child will be in them. And wonder if your wife or your husband will be in them. And then make your choices about how to protect yourself. After the break, I ask Bennett when healthy adults under 50 might be able to get another booster and what is up with vaccines for kids under five. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and I'm here to tell you about my weekly podcast, Dark Down East. Each episode, I take you to my home in New England, where we truly get to know the people at the center of the cases we dive into. Join me and dig into some cases you won't hear about anywhere else. Listen to new episodes of Dark Down East every Thursday, or check out the extensive catalog of existing episodes now, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Fennett, you talked about the importance of boosters and keeping people safe and that there was a real difference that you were seeing in survival rates between people who had only gotten their first two shots and people who had ended up getting a third booster. And I imagine now people who'd gotten a, a fourth booster. So boosters right now are available to people who are immunocompromised or older. What about the rest of us? Are fourth boosters going to be more widespread soon? So federal regulators have approved second booster doses for people over the age of 50 and for those who are immunocompromised. And especially in light of my reporting, this is important because those are the groups that are at highest risk for severe illness and death, even if they've gotten their initial shots. So for the rest of society, for people below the age of 50 or people who are otherwise healthy, there's some uncertainty on when you can get second booster doses, if ever. Federal regulators are currently weighing issues about second booster doses, including whether they need to be tailored towards Omicron or whether we need to be anticipating future variants and the situation where there may not be enough federal funding to get everyone a second booster dose. So we may get a decision from federal regulators as soon as June about a fall booster campaign, but so far, basically hold tight because there hasn't been a decision made on second boosters for the rest of America yet. And then what about that huge swath of the population that continues to not be able to get a vaccine, children under five? How soon are we expecting that to happen? I know that it it feels like, I think, to many parents, like this is the like constant, ever-present question that keeps going further and further down the road. But what do we know? The light at the end of the tunnel is near for uh, children under the age of five to finally get their shots. So there was a holdup because of issues with the data coming out of clinical trials. But the FDA has scheduled meetings through the month of June to review the latest data. And we could see green light for shots for children under the age of five as soon as this June. So if everything works out well, the data is good, parents can start getting their children shots as soon as this summer. So Fennett, as you were saying, a lot of these stories are about people who died during the Omicron wave. Now that we're in the world of this BA2 subvariant, what does that mean? Should we be more concerned about this more transmissible form of the virus? So one of the big takeaways from my reporting is that vulnerable and vaccinated people are at higher risk of contracting the virus when we're dealing with increasingly transmissible variants. Right now, with this uptick of BA2 and other Omicron subvariants, these are even more transmissible than Omicron. They are highly transmissible, and that means for someone who's exposed to the virus, it's much easier to contract it now. And we're in a different environment for transmission right now as mask mandates are ending, including on public transportation. The good news is that right now the uptick of cases isn't nearly as sharp as it was during the Omicron surge, and that might partially be because so many people were sick from Omicron and, and that they have natural immunity right now. But we're dealing with a really transmissible variant, and if you're in a community where cases are going up, if you're in a high-risk group, know that you're dealing with a variant that's going to be more common and going to be easier to contract, and it's worth taking precautions to avoid getting infected in the first place, and that includes wearing a high-quality KN95 or N95 mask, and it includes avoiding crowded indoor settings. 
And even though this current uptick doesn't seem to be as bad as feared, we're not expecting to be done with this pandemic. There's likely going to be other surges in late summer and fall and next winter as well. And we never know what kind of variant we're going to be dealing with next. It's important to get your booster dose so that you have that protection before the next surge hits. Fennett Nirabil covers the pandemic for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Emma Talkoff and mixed by Sean Carter. It was edited by Maggie Penman. I'm Martine Powers. I'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. <laughs>